We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mr. Fryer, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you? With teams getting back into camp, you figured that there would be a plethora of news items that were available for you to talk about your favorite baseball team. I figured that there would also be people that are coming into camp either not quite where they would ordinarily be or already hurt. That is the case with your Chicago White Sox. Lamont Pope does a great job of covering the White Sox for the Tribune. Wrote a story about Luis Robert, and maybe we'll talk about the joy of Luis Robert, and that'll make us feel better about other things that are happening out there in Glendale. Lamont joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Lamont, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Lawrence, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Let's start with the good. Let's start with you watching Luis Robert run and what that stirred in you while you wrote this piece for the Tribune. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, going through some different thrills and. Uh, you know, the guys are supposed to go at a, sort of like a normal pace, sort of like an, an easy pace. And one of the coaches was looking at uh, Luis Robert, and he was kind of, you know, going at a little bit of a quicker pace than everyone else. And, and, and the, uh, the coach was like, isn't this, isn't this supposed to be an easy pace? And, uh, and then Tony said the response was, uh, that is easy for Luis. And so, so he's already uh, gearing on up and ready to go. For someone, you know, obviously with him being out for such a long time, last year and then be able to, to bounce on back after the injury and be so effective. I mean, if he can stay healthy for a full 162, I mean, he's someone who could possibly be in that MVP type conversation. Yeah, they're, they're very high on it. And what's, what's interesting about the White Sox is that no one there is shy about saying how good he can be. A lot of times with young players, they don't want to talk about some of that stuff, but it doesn't seem to be the case with Robert. Everyone over there seems to be on board with, yeah, this can be one of the best players in the game. Boy, uh, Tony LaRusso, what, he calls him a six-tool player. He said he doesn't know what that six-tool is exactly. but, but So that's, that's high praise coming from Tony LaRusso. Uh, uh, Jose Abreu, he's often said, you know, I, he anticipates seeing Luis win an MVP award somewhere down the line. And so, yeah, most definitely you know, the, the conversation and just, you know, the, the tools. We, we've seen what he can do 
on it, you know, obviously that, that first month of his rookie year, uh, and then coming on back and being able to make those adjustments after struggling in the second month of, of that rookie year uh, before the injury, and then coming on back after the injury, you know, he has all the tools in the world to be you know, a top-notch, top-level uh, Major League Baseball player. You can follow Lamont on Twitter, at Lamont Pope. That way, when more White Sox injuries uh, happen, you will be there on Twitter, and you can just read what Lamont is putting up. Okay, Let's start with the Joe Kelly signing. Why did they sign him, and what's wrong with him? Yeah, he's dealing with a little bit of a of a nerve issue, and so he's unlikely going to be uh, breaking camp with the team. They don't they don't anticipate it being too much of an issue uh, long term. Uh, but you know, the, the sign is that he's not going to be able to break camp with the team. The reason why they they picked him on up is because I mean, obviously, he has such a plethora of, of postseason experience. Right? Here's someone who's been uh, been there, done that with the Red Sox, with the Dodgers. He's, he's been a guy in the bullpen in those late inning situations. And so, so, you know, it's another arm that they have that has experience in the postseason that's going to be helpful for them if they can get on back in this season. I'm, I'm curious about the, the mechanism of this where you sign a player and the player has an injury. How does, how does that happen with I'm trying to figure out like can that happen after a physical usually you don't see they must not be worried at all about this yeah I mean yeah they, they were aware yeah, we, we had a chance to talk to uh, uh Rickon beforehand just, just a couple hours ago and you know they, so they were, they were well aware of the situation going on into the uh, into the signing so like I said yeah, there doesn't seem to be too much concern you know like so they're, they're, it's, we're gonna get a chance to actually talk to Joe here in a, in a little bit and uh uh, Rick said that, you know, when you talk to Joe, one thing that he might say is that he's ready to go right now, but, but the White Sox right now are being very, very cautious, just, you know, especially in a situation where it's going to be a shortened spring training. Uh, you don't want to take any chances with any of these pitchers. I mean, that's that's been the big thing. You know, we were on that uh, conference call with Rick a few days ago, and what was his theme, overall theme? Pitching depth. And so, uh, you know, the, the important thing is trying to make sure in the shortened spring training uh, that, that they have enough arms ready to go and that they're going to be at their own pace to get these guys ready uh, to go for the regular season. How do the the White Sox go about doing that with the starting pitchers in particular without guys wanting to rush and get to the end of this, knowing that everyone's in the same boat, that that you you can't get starting pitchers to where you would want them to be with four starts? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, it's going to be a lot of eyeballing, right? You know, you're going to get the chance to see where guys are at, how much work they put in themselves during the lockout. You know, a guy like uh, Lance Lynn, uh, we saw him uh, throw off the mound uh, a couple days ago, and, and we just saw a session with him right now in the bullpen. And so so he's someone who's been active and, and been ready to go. You know, we just actually saw Lucas Giolito as well. And so, you know, it, it's, it's been a little bit on these guys themselves to kind of See what you know. How much work did they were they able to con- continue to do uh, during the during the lockout? You know, we had a chance to talk to Liam the other day, uh, and one thing that he mentioned was that you know he, he went to like neighborhood parks to to kind of just get some tossing in, and people were like, "You throw kind of hard." And he was like, "Well, yeah, a little bit." <laughs> so so it's a situation where guys were just kind of doing what they could do uh, to kind of be ready to, whenever the lockout was going to be lifted. You know, uh, one guy from that standpoint as well is like Michael Kolpak. Uh, he was dealing with a little bit of an illness, uh, Rick Hahn was saying, and so he didn't get to, the opportunity to do as much work. He's, he's had some bullpens, uh, but he, hadn't, he didn't have the chance to do uh, any live, live batting practice while, while the lockout was going. And so each guy, each individual, you know, they're going to get the chance. You know, they, they've had a little bit of a scouting report when they had the chance to kind of finally talk to the guys again. And now it's seeing them on the mound and seeing what they can do 
uh, and then evaluating from there. And that's why, once again, that pitching depth is going to be so important. Try to get in as many arms as possible, maybe to, um, you know, just in case, just make sure that you guys are ready to go. Lamont, what have the White Sox said about the role of Garrett Crochet? You know, it, it, it's one of those situations where it might be, you know, uh, sort of similar to what Michael Kopech went through last season. Mostly use him out of the bullpen, uh, maybe maybe stretch him a second inning of that, of that nature. But, yeah, I mean, obviously when they drafted him, you know, the, the, the notion was that he was going to be a starting pitcher. And so, uh, but then they went ahead and right, right away and got him in up, up to the major leagues. In 2020, he was effective out of the pen. And then, obviously, last year, I remained in the bullpen. And so it's a situation where it might be a little bit more of that hybrid type of situation where we saw with Michael uh, last season. Uh, but, but, again, it's, it's also a situation where once again, we, we, we have actually seen him throw a couple times as well. He, he threw against Day, and he threw, again, he threw a couple days ago as well. And so it seems like he was someone, one of those guys that was able to get in some work uh, during the lockout to, to come on into camp ready to go. You, you brought up. Liam Hendricks, which makes me ask you about Craig Kimbrell. <laughs> How are the White Sox going to navigate this as long as Kimbrell is on the roster? Is, is, is Liam still the ninth inning guy and Craig is the eighth inning guy? How is that going to work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the plan for now. I mean, you know, it's funny. If we, uh, we asked Tony, do you anticipate uh, having Craig on the roster, opening the roster? And he said yes. And then it's like, well, you know, well, how's this going to work on out? Um, and Tony said, well, you know, one of the pauses that um, Kenny and Rick Hahn had a really good conversation with Craig and his agent. And, you know, Craig wants to be a white sock. He, he, he fit in really well in the clubhouse, but he also likes to close. And so, so, so it's like, how can you, how can you navigate that uh, knowing that, you know, he was not nearly as effective as he you know, traditionally has been uh, when once that trade was made, and so it, it's it, part of the thing that they talked about was just the overall transition. You know, obviously we, we've we've had those conversations where uh, you know people say, well, is there any difference between throwing the eighth inning or ninth inning if you're if you guy, you know, and and I think what we saw with uh, with Craig yes last season was the case that yeah, I and mean, there's there's just that you know that extra pound of adrenaline, whatever it is. I don't you know I, I don't even know really how you can describe it. But being that, knowing that you're that guy, those final three outs, um, you know, can make a difference. And so, so it's you know, kind of going through that transition last year. Uh, he, he he now has that, and so we'll see. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. As I'm I'm actually watching him uh, do a little tossing with uh, Dallas Keiko right now. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure if he's going to be here on open day, but but it'll be really interesting just to see how they do navigate that if he is. In my mind, when they made the Joe Kelly move, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You can use Kelly in an eighth inning role, and you already mm-hmm. have Liam Hendricks, who's been one of your, your one of the best relievers in baseball last year. So it made sense to me. I, it, the way that it melted down in the postseason last year and hearing Tony kind of grumble about it at the end of last season in the playoffs, like, oh, you know, that's not really what he's meant to do. It's it's like, look, mm-hmm. man, like I, I, I give the front office of the White Sox a lot of credit. Like as they were trying to go for it, Rick saying, hey, man, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a, a top flight arm and then everyone's got to figure out how to make it all work. It, it was surprising for me to hear Tony like almost alibi and, and say, well, this is not what he does. But but yeah, but I get that. But you weren't going to remove Liam from a role where he was 
incredible at last season. Yeah, yeah, you don't pay Liam Hendricks. Uh, you don't, you know, you don't give Liam that kind of contract to to make him your seventh or eighth inning guy. And you know, it's also it's also rare, right? That you know, during the uh, GM meetings when uh, Rakan was very honest and open about the possibility of a trade. You know, we're, we're usually when when someone is mentioned by the GM himself as being a, a potential trade uh, target, that person doesn't stay. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so, 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 you know, the fact that, you know, the trade market was one of those things before the lockout that was kind of slowed down. Slowed down. You, you remember, like, the, the flood of free agent signings right up to the, the beginning of the lockout. And remember, we had a chance to talk to uh, Rickon right before the lockout was in place. And he said, yeah, the trade market just really hasn't, hadn't you know, percolated up uh, at that point. And so we're starting to see that, see a little bit of that now. Um, you know, obviously, it seems like the Twins have been going crazy in that department. Um, and so so maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that market kind of gets going again for, for the White Sox and, and something happens. But it, it, it's, it's going to be, you know, you mentioned and, you know, adding Kelly, but yeah, you know, he also did. He also added uh, Kimball Graveman uh, as well, and so, so right. you have some new bullpen arms uh, to to help on out. And, but yeah, obviously you, you're you're transitioning uh, Kopech back into the starting rotation. Uh, Ryan Tapera was was another one of those guys that you had last year. That's um, you know, that's not here as well. And so so you, you did have um, some positions and some some holes to fill in that bullpen, and and so it just kind of remains to be seen just how they navigate and utilize all those guys. How do they envision using Josh Harrison? I mean, he's, it sounds like he's going to be the, uh, the starting second baseman. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you, you bring back uh, Larry Garcia, and he's someone whose strength is his versatility. You know, he can play second one day, third you know, the next. You, you need to give him a day, day off. He can play shortstop. He can play all three outfield positions. And so, so you know, I think that works best uh, for, for Larry is just to have him as a be-all and all guy that, that can kind of do – you know, fill on in at any time for any spot, um, and so so you know, it, you know, from the from the looks of it, you know, it is an official, maybe maybe official here in the next you know 24 hours or, or so with with the Harrison move. But you know, I think all indications is that he's going to be the uh, starting second baseman. Lamond, as always, I appreciate your time. I, I could see you starting to run around the the, the track at Camelback to to, to get <laughs> get in good position. Have fun out there. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Lawrence. Anytime. Appreciate it. That is Lamont Pope. He covers the White Sox for the Chicago Tribune. There is a little bit more uh, breaking news out of baseball, and that's that Matt Olson has been traded to Atlanta, and considering Matt Olson plays first base, you would think that that means that Freddie Freeman is not going to be back in Atlanta. You would think. Then again, there's a universal DH, so if you wanted, you could mix and match, but it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't feel like that's what's happening. It feels like Freddie Freeman's gonna go play baseball. So maybe he'll be on the White Sox. Maybe that was the guy that when Rick was talking about, was there someone someone had asked Rick on Friday, is there someone who you immediately got on the phone with? Maybe it was Freddie Freeman. Wouldn't that be great? Like that would just make my millennium. White Sox is like, yeah, we gave all the money to Freddie Freeman. We're like, yeah. Just keep signing first baseman and DHs all day. Well. Stock up. Hey, hey, I I know exactly what I can do then. I Freddie Freeman plays first base and Jose Abreu is your DH. And I never have to worry about it again. Ever. Except for those days where I don't want Grandal to catch. 
which is most days. What about Andrew Vaughn? He just right field? I'm not. Did you really, did you go look at Andrew Vaughn's numbers from last year? I know that he had some really big hits, but the aggregate of Andrew Vaughn's numbers, not great. Not great. And I get that it was a first-year player, and he had some moments. And maybe we should just hold on to those moments. But here, I'll look them up. Because I was, I was like, I know he did better than that. Like, when I was looking at the numbers, I was like, ooh, Andrew Vaughn. Those numbers are not great. You're hurting Rankin back here. I know. He's had a rough day today with all of the White Sox stuff. These were his numbers yesterday, last year. Andrew Vaughn was a .2 war player. .2. So he was a net positive. His slash line last year was 235, 309, 396 for an OPS of 705. His OPS plus, meaning if you're 100, you're an average player, and anything over 100 means you're really good, his OPS plus was 92. So I will give him credit. He was much better defensively than the White Sox told people. The White Sox were like, oh, this guy can hit, and he can't catch. Meanwhile, they're like, go play right field, sometimes play center. Hey, would you like to play second base? What? And he did all that stuff, so I give him credit. All I'm saying is the 15 home runs were impressive, and he definitely had moments. 235, 309, 396. That's all. We'll keep talking about a little bit of everything. I want to get back into the Larry Ogunjobi thing, and I want to talk about the Bulls. Strangely enough, they've got a game tonight. It's one that they should win, even without Zach Levine, who didn't play on Saturday, even after having two days off. We'll discuss that next here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. It's fast physical. It's, it's guys that attack um, relentless. They have endurance. They can do it for a long period of time. So, And that's pretty easy to see on tape. Um, not, a, not that there's a ton of them everywhere, but those guys stand out because they play with a different mindset.
Ryan Poles talking about the way that he envisions the Bears looking. He's trying to reshape them now as the general manager of this team. I'm Lawrence. I'm here with you until 2 o'clock, and I will make way for Parkins and Spiegel. Are they back? Is Spiegs back from the DR? I hope so. He's got stories because if you've been following him on Twitter, he had been sharing some of the, the sights and sounds from the Dominican Republic. So I imagine it will be a lot of fun to hear some of those stories in longer form than what Twitter will allow. The Bears are going to sign Larry Ogunjobi. He's going to play the three technique. They needed someone to do it. He's been healthy a big portion of his career. He has been effective, been one of the – he's a hybrid where he does well against the run and he gets a lot of pressures for someone that's in the middle. I love it. So far, I really have liked what Ryan Poles has done. And it's hard to turn over a franchise. You walk in the door and you say, okay, where can we make changes and those changes then have impact immediately? I think the Ogunjobi signing does do that. Someone asked me, though, they said, well, does this mean that they're going for it? Someone texted that in. I'm like, no, he's 27. Like, it's if this were a 32 year old Larry Ogunjobi, then you can be like, oh, yeah, they're totally going for it. This is a player who you're guaranteeing a little over $26 million to over the, the next four years. I think that if, if they end up continuing to do well in free agency, sure, you can start thinking about wild card positions if you want. Why are you making that face, Brandon? Because normally that's what happens. Like new GM come in. I'm going to clean house, like a year of kind of rebuild. Because really, NFL only takes a year. See what players I really want. A lot of them probably going to get some one-year deals. And then, boom, that's about it. That's what I think. That, what I think this is is let me identify some players that are going to make us better immediately. But when we have the assembly of players, then we can take that next step. That's what this feels like to me that Ogunjobi is someone who's going to be here as the Bears are improving, and you're hoping to get the last bit of great football out of him in year two and three of this contract that you have with him. That's what I feel like it says. And I know that whenever a team signs someone, and maybe my opinion on this changes if they're continuing to be aggressive. Free agent wise, if the Bears like you hear a flurry of news and it's not like one year vet guys that they're bringing in. This is a really good start and you have to change the way that your defensive line is comprised anyway. You don't have Khalil Mack anymore. You're going to a different system, a different front. You're going from a base 30 front to a base 40 front. And that means you need different players at different spots. So to me, I I dig it. Let's see what else they come up with. Over the weekend, the Bulls, Bulls, I said that like Fred Eubner. Wolves, Bulls. The Bulls beat Cleveland 101 to 91. And DeRozan did his thing. Vooch had a really nice game. We got word. 90 minutes before the game that Zach wasn't going to play. 
It's funny because when I had Kevin Anderson on on Friday, we were talking about his knee, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not – I think he said four out of ten. Like, that's what was his level of worry with Zach's knee. And then he hit me up on Saturday and said, now that's seven. That's seven out of ten, my worry about Zach's knee. So let's have a, a, a short conversation about where Zach is and what – how we're going to think about and talk about what's going on with his knee. If you are looking at the 2022 season for the Bulls as an opportunity for the Bulls to compete, then what you should want is for Zach to play through whatever discomfort he is having. If you look at the standings and go, well, right now the Bulls are hosting a playoff series. Right now, at this very moment, they're hosting a playoff series. I want the best team that that can go out there and compete. And they finally got Caruso back, which I'll get to in a minute. If you think that Zach will then be the centerpiece for what the Bulls do going forward, that might change your mind about how you feel about him playing through it. A big portion of the conversation around the Bulls has been centered around whether Zach was a supermax player first, Conair. And then, well, he's probably not a supermax, but he's a max guy that you're going to give money to. I am concerned that after having two days off and playing at home, that Zach was not ready to play on Saturday. We will see what his availability is tonight. The game will be on the score starting at 845, and then Chuck and Bill take over the call, and we'll have Bulls versus Sacramento. If he plays tonight, and there's really no reason for him to, if rest is something that you're prescribing him, no reason for him to play. You know why? Because after the Bulls are done with Sacramento, then they get Utah, then they get Phoenix, then they're home against Toronto, and then after that, they're at Milwaukee. So it's possible I have to allow for the idea that what Billy Donovan is doing is picking and choosing. And we knew that this was going to be kind of the deal with Zach anyway, that they were going to have to make some choices about when to play him on back-to-backs, and that all makes sense not playing the guy on the second end of a back-to-back or sitting him on the first half of a back-to-back because of opponent makes sense. Like, look, I'll give you an example. Let's say that the Bulls were playing Sacramento and Milwaukee. Sacramento first and then Milwaukee in the back-to-back. You might sit Zach against Sacramento knowing that you would need him to be someone to have Chris Middleton and, and, and Drew Holiday chase around versus Milwaukee. When you have a game and then you have two days off and you're playing at home, meaning he was probably around your facility with everything that he needed to rehab and and do maintenance on his knee for him to not play, it rang an alarm for me on Saturday. I was like, ah, that's not good. 
again, my feeling is if he wants to keep playing through this, and what I wonder is, is this just his new reality? Zach's played a lot of minutes, and he's had a significant knee injury already, along with back injury, hand injury that he's been dealing with throughout the season. It might just be this is who he is now. That after all of that time, all of the high flying, all of the minutes that he's accrued on his body, even though he's, what, 26 years old? It ends up being an old 26. Also, this is an aside. You know I do this on the show from time to time. Is he the Baker Mayfield of the NBA? Here's what I mean. Telegenic, smart, good pitch man. Hadn't won anything. A lot of commercials for a guy that hasn't won anything. Now, I'm not mad at him. Go get your money. But I was watching games that the Bulls weren't playing, and I was like, oh, there's Zach. And, and there's Zach. How did that happen? It felt very Baker Mayfield-esque. Then I'm like, oh, Zach's that dude now. Like, people look at him. He's handsome. He's really good at delivering the lines. He seems to have some fun doing it. But he's out here in these commercials. He is out here in these commercial streets. Good for him. I said I'd talk about Alex Caruso. Let me talk about it. I just, I know that, that everyone feels this way about Alice Caruso, but I love that guy. He makes a difference. Yes, Cleveland was down some players of note, like Jared Allen. But you can tell that they just kind of play better defensively. Didn't the, weren't the Bulls on a streak of like 22 games where the opponent scored 100 points or more, and you come in, and granted, Cleveland was on the end of back end of a back-to-back. But Alex Caruso comes out there and plays 30, 29 minutes in the game. There was better communication. They were doing a better job of going over or under screens. I know that we look at Alex Caruso and we immediately go, coach on the floor. But in this case, I think that it's actually warranted. I know that that's the space that we want to put him in because he looks like the coach on the floor, but he's actually doing it. He had a nice game. Four of eight shooting, 11 points for him, four steals. When they get Lonzo back, when's Lonzo coming back, by the way? When they get Lonzo back, this team could do some things defensively. Folks out here waiting on Patrick Williams. I'm like, why? I don't know anything about Patrick Williams yet. Hopefully he's going to be okay. But, yeah, I'm curious on Zach's status tonight. If I were Billy Donovan, and I'm not, I'm not as handsome, rich, and I don't have a court named after me. Wait, do I? No, I don't. There's no reason to play Zach tonight. 
knowing what you have in front of you with Utah and Phoenix, the rest of the week, those games are not back-to-back. They're spread out f- fairly nicely for the Bulls, which is good. I think it's what game today, game Wednesday, game Friday. I think that's how it works out. But there's no reason for Zach to get minutes tonight if the knee is still an issue. If maintenance of his knee is something that the Bulls are doing, you don't have to get him out there. He's already made the all-star team this season. You're trying to save all those bullets for games against Milwaukee and whatnot. But it was something that was on my mind Saturday. I'm just sitting there in the house. I wasn't even sitting. I was pacing. Like, I was pacing back and forth in front of the TV like, why isn't Zach playing? I mean, I knew why he wasn't playing, but then it's like, "Mm, y'all played a couple nights ago, so he should probably be playing. But if he wants to fight through this, I respect it. And I'm sure that for a player like that that hasn't had a chance at real winning basketball, there's some scales here. He can look at it and say, yes, this maintenance thing that I'm doing might change the way that the Bulls look at me going forward, but I've never, ever, well, I shouldn't say ever, forever, ever. I've never been on an NBA team this good. He's been on an Olympic team, but I've never been on an NBA team this good. I've never had a chance to win like this. If I have to deal with a nagging knee injury and have to, drag my hiney through the end of the NBA season to get me to surgery, so be it. I I think that we all can respect that. And if that means for Zach that he might lose out on some money, I don't think he, I mean, he'll, he's going to get paid, but how he gets paid is, will be interesting. I'd be lying though. If, if I didn't tell you, I want to know what's really going on with that knee. Because remember, he went to go see a specialist, and then he was like, I feel better after talking to a specialist. And then the Bulls were like, we have a plan. I don't know if Saturday was in the plan or not. It just seemed a tad bit bizarre. Because Cleveland's one of those teams that's trying to take away your home court advantage. So you would think that you would need everyone you can. And they didn't. Vooch played a great game on Saturday night. DeMar did DeMar-type things when he needed to and then didn't need to. DeMar had a rough night shooting the ball Saturday. He came up with a third quarter where he, second quarter, where he started to explode. And then after that, it was like shaky. He's a 9 out of 26 from the floor. That's where a guy like Zach could be really helpful, but they didn't need it because Vooch did his thing. He wasn't super efficient either, but he was getting touches in the paint. He was getting rebounds for them. You know who played great? I'm not talking about Caruso. Io. Io was phenomenal. Because, one, you're asking him to guard Darius Garland and chase him around all night. 17 buckets. I mean, 17 points for him in the game. The guy continues to impress. Take a break. I got NCAA tournament thoughts next here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. So here's some of my thoughts on the NCAA tournament. Obviously, as the tournament goes on, I'm going to wager on particular games, and I love live betting. Like, I think that's a lot of fun. 
As far as winning the tournament from a betting standpoint, I got three choices for you, and I'll try to make my case. My favorite, like I chose a favorite, a sleeper, and a dark horse. My favorite is Baylor. I just think that they're well coached. They've been here before. They played in a really, really tough Big 12 this year. I like their draw, and I think that they can win it. My sleeper is Tennessee. I got them at plus 4,000 before the SEC tournament started. They won the SEC tournament. I think they're 12-1 and since December. They got good guard play. They hit threes. They're a lot of fun. Now, the Rick Barnes thing does have some people concerned. But it's a really good team that could go very far in this tournament. The other one is obvious Alabama but here's the thing about Bama I think Bama has wins over Gonzaga and Baylor this year they're the most maddening team in this tournament field because they can literally beat anyone and they could lose to anyone and we'll see if they get Notre Dame or Rutgers after that play-in game meanwhile over on the women's side my blue demons are playing in the play-in game Which upsets me. But Anisha Morrow is a name that you need to remember. She plays for DePaul. She is one of the best players in the country and the best freshman. She averaged 22 points and 14 rebounds this season. Good luck to the Lady Blue Demons. Go out there and do work. Get outside of this game. They have you playing the playing game. Don't they know who we are? Coach is going to the Hall of Fame. Talk with Danny Parkins next here on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.